we message the experience. And it's not like come sit in our fireplace kind of experience. We know that consumers are busy. Nobody wants to go to a dealership and spend three or four hours there. So we market to them that if you give us 45 minutes, we'll give you everything you need to make a great buying decision, regardless of whether or not it's from us or someone else. And that has resonated with every client that we have coming through the door. Welcome back to Unscheduled Maintenance. I'm your host, Steve Gady. The COVID-19 pandemic upended the automotive industry and forced dealers to quickly adapt how they market and sell their inventory. One surprising silver lining that emerged last year, many dealers have cited 2020 as one of their strongest sales years ever, particularly in terms of profitability. One dealer who made radical changes and reaped the rewards is here with us today to tell his story. Chip Diggs is Director of Internet Sales and Marketing at Sealy Automotive Group in Michigan and has more than 30 years of dealership experience. So, Chip, welcome to Unscheduled Maintenance. Thank you so much for joining us. We're really glad that you were uh, able to spend some time with us today. Happy to be here. So, you've got some pretty extensive background in the automotive world. Tell us a little bit about how you got into the game, and uh, I understand there's an interesting story that you can share with us. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, after I had come back from uh, college in California, I was a stockbroker for a company called Vanderbilt Securities. And one of my clients that I was uh, prospecting with was Powell Oldsmobile by the name of John Powell was his name. And uh, it was interesting because I'd visit with him every once in a while and he was interested in trying to hire me as a sales consultant and it was kind of funny because I looked at him with this astonished look like why would you ask a college graduate to come and work in the car business. So mind you, this is 1989. They're still wearing the leather jackets. So it was members only was still in play, yeah. right? A little bit, right? They were they were some classic guys. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I, I can appreciate the offer, but you guys are not the kind of caliber of place I'd work for. I, you guys lie, cheat, and steal and, and whatnot. So I'm out. And he, I said, but thanks for the offer. And he said, well, that's too bad. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He says, well, you know, all of our guys get a brand new car to drive. And I think he probably <laughs> saw that it. I was always I pulling it. up I in this it. 1984 Grand Am with over 100,000 miles on it, looking a little rough. And of course, I'm looking at him like, what are you, t- what, a new car? And, and of course, I'm like, <laughs> like, what? You know, was he going to try to put me in some minivan or something like that? He says, like, any car you want. I said, well, and of course, I'm a younger guy, 25 years old. I look in the showroom and I see this red two-door Cutlass Supreme international with a sunroof leather the digital dashboard I, i'm salivating over the thing and i always salivate over a car like that. i mean it's a, i'm salivating hearing you explain it I, i'm like oh i remember the car like it's in my driveway and i said well like like something like that and he goes absolutely done done <laughs> Write, write the check. I'm in. Sign me up. Sign me up. And you know, it's funny too, because I can still remember my two-door Grand Am, two-tone gray with a silver bottom. I remember the two tones. Yeah. And how good I felt getting out of that car, getting into that Cutlass Supreme. So that's where it all started. A very small <laughs> dealership in Jackson, Michigan. Uh, John Powell was a great role model for me. For anybody who's familiar with the business for a minority owner, it was a, a motors holding dealership. So, you know, every month you learn 
learned how to turn the dealership black, meaning from red to black on the uh, financial statement. And he taught me a lot. So it was a, it was a great... I'm a golfer, so I yeah. know the difference between the red and black numbers. So. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was awesome. It was awesome. Wow. It's a, uh, a heck of an introduction to the game. So, well, I mean, you've been doing this for quite some time. Uh, so you've seen a lot of change in the industry over the years. How have you chosen to adapt your strategy and stay current with, you know, all the changes that have been going on in the industry since you've been in the game? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I look back at, you know, when I started back in 1989 and what the business was all about. Um, you know, and it was about customers driving all over the place, different dealers, getting brochures, trying to get information, slicks. Slicks, getting the slicks. The write-ups, the holding back the four squares so they couldn't see it and just giving them enough information so they had enough questions to come back so you could really throw the hammer on them on the B-back. And just think about that terminology. The old B-back. And how, <laughs> the old B-back and how few of them we see. And you know, the business has changed so much. Even before a lot of the things that have happened now, consumers aren't visiting as many dealerships as they were before. You know, a lot of the the way we used to market to them. I, I remember every week, week in and week out, I'd have to sweat it out to put together an ad in the paper. And I wanted to be different. I remember like it was yesterday again. And one of the things that I was in the Lansing State Journal up in Lansing, and they would come to me and say, hey, what kind of ad do you want to want? I say, hey, do me a favor. Here's all my stuff, but make sure you print it upside down. They're like, what do you mean? They probably looked at you like you're crazy, right? Absolutely insane. What are you talking about? And I knew that, you know, I didn't have the biggest budget, but I knew that if people saw, they were flipping through the paper and they saw an ad and then all of a sudden it was upside down, they'd flip the paper upside down and look at it and say, what's this? Not that they were looking at my ad for my payments or anything like that, but they would notice the name and something was different about it. And that was my marketing strategy. How can I be different from the visual aspect? Now, mind you, I have a back. Background. I worked for Ogilvy and made their advertising uh, as an intern when I was in Los Angeles. So I get I get the whole marketing thing and what you have to do to actually stand out. But that was one of those things that I did to make people notice us, which is totally different than today because all of those gimmicky tricks and stuff like that don't work anymore. That's not what consumers look for. That's not what they want. And you have to be cognizant of that. And we're really experiencing that in today's market because consumers, they're loaded for bear when they walk in your door. They've done all the research. They've done all the work. And if you're not ready, and when I say ready, prepared, not just from your, your marketing aspect for when they come in the door, you're going to lose. And it's interesting when you talk about marketing, because one of the things back in the day, and I hope I don't get too long winded in this, but back in the day, one of the big things I would have to do is advertise a car, a price, you know, a payment, uh, make it relevant to the customer. Our strategy now, we don't even advertise prices or payments. We don't. It's not something that we advertise at all because we understood and we did a lot of research on this that when we advertise prices or payments on a car, we're not marketing to the customer. We're marketing against another dealer. And that's not what they're looking for. That's not what the consumer cares about. They want a great deal. They want a great price, but they want that more than they want a great deal. And by that, I mean, if you can set it up so they understand when they're going to come into your store, they're gonna get an experience different than anyone else's, than any other dealer can give you, that's when you'll win. And that's where we are, and that's our whole messaging at this point. 
we message the experience. And it's not like um, some off the cuff, like come sit in our fireplace kind of experience, but the experience for the consumer. We know that consumers are busy. Nobody wants to go to a dealership and spend three or four hours there. So we market to them that if you give us 45 minutes, we'll give you everything you need to make a great buying decision, regardless of whether or not it's from us or someone else. We're just gonna give you that information. And that has resonated with every client that we have coming through the door. Yeah, turning that laser focus, we've seen a lot of advertisers advertise that cut down time that you'll spend in the dealership. You know, we'll get you in and out quicker because they know that if you market to that customer that wants a smooth, quick, and heaven forbid, enjoyable, pleasant experience, you as an operator, you sell more cars. Absolutely. Because that's what the consumer wants and keeping an eye on what that consumer desire is. It sounds like you've done a really good job of doing that. I love hearing that story about printing it upside down. Uh, I think back into the old days when we used to talk about when you take the pictures of your cars, you want to make sure that they point to the right so that they drive into the listing so that when the consumer looks at them, it looks like a nice, they're all nice and cleanly lined up. And then we would go to one dealer and say, hey, you want to be different? Point your car the other direction. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Change it up. Right? It's that imagination. It's that alternative thought process that you have to break into or tap into to your point stand out. So speaking of standing out, let's talk a little bit more about some of those changes you've had to make in the wake of COVID-19. So how did your dealership respond to that? And how did that work out for you at your store and some, you know, some of your other stores? So that's a great thing to talk about. So prior to anybody who knows me knows that I've been trying to change the car business since I got into it. I've always hated the way people buy cars. I don't like negotiating. I I think they spend too much time doing it. It's a slow process. They do things backwards. They don't pay attention to the customer. The customers want things the way the customers want things. I said this to my wife when I first met her. I said, I want what I want when I want it. Yeah. I think that's written in stone somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) That is fact. But dealers, we start a customer. We're going to do the meet and greet. We're going to do this, that, and next thing. And they might be in, you know, step seven of our 15 step process. And we're starting them at step one. So When COVID came around, you shut the doors. Nobody can come into your store. Nobody's going to work. And we were very fortunate here at Sealy Auto Group. Our our owner is a believer in people. So he paid everybody. He didn't lay anybody off. He did all the right things because he knew that his equity and his organization was in his people. So you, you got to spend, you got to keep them employed, you got to keep them happy, you got to keep them informed. Here's everything that's going on and, and keep you know getting paid because he knows he has families that they've got to feed. But one of the things that we did, we came in collectively as a management team and we said, so how are we going to do this? They're going to open this thing back up. And I think it was on April 15th. They said, you can do remote selling. And it was interesting because we were already set up. Again, I'm going to go back to my whole thought process buying the business. I hated the way people did business before. I have set up my dealerships for years to be able to have a customer go to your website and get primarily everything that they need to buy a car. Digital retailing has been this big buzzword lately, and I kind of laugh because I've been doing digital retailing since 2007. So I've always had it on my websites and they've gotten better. We've uh, partnered with a company that does a great job of it, that when you get to that digital retailing piece that we actually direct people to, um, it tells them, hey, you can check your credit without getting your credit pulled. You can get trade-in information. It's going to be very, very accurate. You can figure payments with rebates, incentives. The pricing is market price, not some crazy 
anything that you can't ever qualify for. All of this information was there. The piece that was missing is that how do you communicate with these customers? How do you have that conversation because they're not coming in the store? You know, if you're going to have them submit 10,000 leads, how does that work? Because nobody's there to answer them. Well, we set our all of our salespeople that worked on InterSF with computers at home, access to our chat provider, and they would go back and forth with these customers because our digital retailing piece lets them chat back and forth once they start submitting questions on payments and whatnot. And then our big thing, and we did a whole marketing campaign, um, and it was a huge one. You can see it on our website, some of the commercials that are left over, how we were going to deliver the car to you. We were going to sanitize the car, make sure the car was clean. You didn't have to touch us. We didn't have to touch you. The paperwork would be in the seat of the car. Um, we would drop it off. We'd come back you know, later on and pick up the paperwork that you could leave in your mailbox. And the funny part was our whole conversation from the commercials to the videos online was this. We're doing this not to sell a car, but to take care of you because we understand that you're scared and that you're nervous and you don't want to contract this virus and we're in the same boat that you're in. And it's interesting, that same message and how we reacted to COVID back in March and April has resonated to our success to where we are today. Because I can tell you we're watching dealers in our market that are losing market share to us left and right. And it's just because of how we changed the message to the consumer. And not only did we change the message, we believed it. We understood it. We embraced it. We wore the mask. We wore the gloves. We put up protective shields. So even when we started opening our doors, when people came in, they saw that we lived what we spoke about. And that is what changed everything for us. There have been so many challenges dealers have had to tackle head-on in the past year, it's not surprising many of them have let their SEO game slip a bit. Cars is here to help you pull together a truly connected search strategy and get you back onto page one everywhere it matters. Our Staying on Top of Search Guide provides actionable steps for optimizing your website, listings, and review content to organically reach consumers across the shopping journey. And best of all, the guide is 100% free and easily accessible. No gated content email requirements here, just actionable advice you can start putting towards your marketing strategy today. Visit growwithcars.com slash search to learn more about how to put a connected search strategy in place at your dealership. I believe somebody once said, don't talk about it, be about it. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, talk the talk, walk the walk. That's all super critical and vital. And it sounds like it's obviously helped to your survival. I don't think you can call it anything other than that in these kinds of economic conditions. Well, I I'm glad you said the word survival because there are dealers out there that are surviving. We're not one of them. We're prospering. We are actually, in 2020, we had our best year ever as an auto group, which is, especially when you break it down to a 10-month period of time versus a full year. We've got people in our auto group, salespeople in our auto group selling 30, 40, 45, 50 cars a month individual salespeople. And that's because, again, we've embraced a certain way of selling cars, a, a certain way of helping consumers, and that's resonated throughout everything. I mean, it's we understand this. You know, you can take any kind of platform and it's going to be a transactional platform. You've got 
a car and you've got prices and payments and all that other stuff. And that's transactions. And that's what everybody talks about. This is the transaction. We inserted the humanity into that transaction and became real to our consumers. We are real people who go to church, who eat in the same restaurants that you do, who have kids that go to schools that you do. We inserted all of that into who we are as a company and it brought us into their living rooms and people have not stopped since the doors opened back up. It's been amazing. I mean, I, I've never seen anything like that's that. Lovely. <laughs> I mean, that's so lovely. <laughs> I mean, that's really, uh, it's beyond that. I mean, it's, it's delightful to hear that because um, we have a little saying that we always try to educate with our customers is people don't buy cars from companies. People buy cars from people. And we believe in that philosophy as well. I think that's really sound counsel to give to people as it relates to addressing your message. Like you mentioned, you changed your message to the consumer. I think that's really an important thing to address. I'm curious, clearly this is shown in your results. You know, I've been to your website and one of the first things that jumps out is there's a lot of accolades up there. I've got the Better Business Bureau up there. You've got most reviewed dealership in Western Michigan. So what would you say if you had to zero in on what do you do differently that makes your dealership so successful? Is it that people element that you just talked about? Absolutely. There's two things that we think that we excel in. First of all, our auto group, our commanders, our ownership understands that without happy employees, you can't ever have a happy customer. So they truly invest. And when I say invest, going back from when we're talking about when COVID first hit, not furloughing people, not laying people on, they invested in their people. They understand that that number one investment they can make is in their people. So they understood that. That was one thing that we believe that we have over a lot of other auto groups in the in the area because people in the building come first. The second thing is, is that because of that, we have clients that are raving fans of ours. And when we say raving fans, they are raving fans of ours. They don't just leave a five star and, and that's all you see. They detail how their experience was, not with Sealy Auto Group, but with a specific salesperson. Jay Rustin Holtz was XYZ. Megan was XYZ. Taylor was XYZ. And the interesting part, when you go back and you read these reviews, you'll see that they'll talk about a certain theme, that the team helped us. Taylor was my client advocate, but the team helped me. The finance manager, the manager, all of these people came in as if they were chefs in a kitchen trying to cook up the best meal for me and served it up to a, a point where I wanted seconds. That's what we've got. And so when we look at reviews, and it's a very important part of who we are as an auto group, we talk to our salespeople about that. We don't want them to be Sealy Auto Group. We want them to be a business inside of this business. We are the brand and they are the business. And a lot of dealers don't invest in their people that way. We spend money for these guys to promote themselves. We want there to be a Jay Rustin Holtz, which if you look up Caring Car Guy, you'll pop up all over Google. We have somebody called The Weatherman. We have Hollywood. I mean, we have all of these different entities inside of this brand. And then we have all of these fans that follow these entities inside. And that's what really changed us. That's a Mickey Sealy thing. I gotta give him all the credit. I consider myself a very good marketer in all of the technical areas of marketing. But when he started putting that human element and said, hey, 
reviews are really important to me. Can you make sure that you make that important to you? Absolutely. Let's do it. You know, and so we've come up with ways from different vendors uh, to help us get those reviews and people love leaving them for us. And when anybody goes to read them, they can tell that they're genuine reviews. It's not just somebody saying it was great. It's a paragraph of what happened in their experience. And that's where we think we set ourselves up apart from anybody else. I said this in a training yesterday to a whole bunch of salespeople. I said, think about a restaurant. Restaurants don't advertise per se. You don't see a restaurant advertising. What you see, what you have is you have your buddy Joe went to this restaurant and he comes to you and says, man, you got to go to XYZ rib joint. And all of a sudden you're at the rib joint and you're mowing on some ribs. And when you get back with your shirt all stained, (laughs) you go and you tell your buddy, you got to go to XYZ rib joint. And then by the time you're done, you can't get in there because the line's out the door. And that is who we are. That is the premise that we work on. Raving reviews from people is what's going to build your business. I love that. The company solidifies the brand and then you groom brand ambassadors to work under it. I think that's really sound wisdom. A lot you've covered there, and this all really sounds like the root of it is from investing in your people, which I think is a really important tenet all companies could probably learn from. I guess let's put a bow on it. What advice would you give to those who are starting their career in automotive marketing and start to develop their strategies, somebody that might necessarily you know, be coming from outside the industry. Well, it's interesting. I can say this, especially from the marketing aspect for any dealership, it is a great opportunity for anybody who loves marketing because here's the underlining tone. Dealers have no clue. They truly don't. I'm not being mean. They don't have a clue. They think that if they're on a platform, things are going to come in and they're going to happen. That's not the way it works. And you have to have somebody in your organization that lives and breathes and looks at and understands and challenges everyone around them in the marketing strategy. Because if you don't, if you just leave it up to sales managers, they have a hard job already. Managing salespeople, doing this on next thing. You have a rep come in with a great idea. I guarantee you they're not listening to it. All they hear is that's going to cost me more money to get out of my office. What I tell anybody who is looking at this as a career is understand this part of it. All of the tactics and techniques are awesome and great, but it doesn't start there. It starts with understanding a consumer and understanding what a consumer wants. Because if you dart from that side of the desk, if you start from where the consumer sits and not where this company wants to be, you'll get to where you want to go. That is the most important thing. You have to look at from the marketing aspect. You got to look at it through the consumer's eyes. It was funny. I made this statement the other day in another training. I said, look at insurance, for example. Insurance has got to be one of the most boring things you can talk about. But if you look at insurance advertising, what are they doing most of the time? I can tell you that everybody knows who Flow is. Flow from Progressive. They have put and inserted a person, a personality into insurance. So what? We can relate. And they have stories that relate to living. And then all of a sudden that relationship branches out to insurance. That's It becomes real, and that's what you have to understand. You got to look at it from that consumer side and understand that that $15,999 car that you're advertising doesn't mean anything to them. 
What means something to them is you're going to take care of them. What means something to them is when there's an issue, they can come back to you, look you dead in the eyes, and you're going to do the right thing. What means something to them is that they're not going to be taken advantage of and that you care about them. That's what means something. And you've got to get that message out. And you can never get that message out until you understand it from their eyes. That's where you have to start. We'll be back in two weeks. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review to help more people find Unscheduled Maintenance. Unscheduled Maintenance was created by Alex Vetter and Jake Whitler and is a production of Cars, Inc. and is hosted by me, Steve Gady. Our senior producer is Evan Sears. Sarah Nicholas is our producer, along with assistant producer Ryan Corgan-Wetzel. Audio mixed by Chris Franzen. Original design and animations for each episode created by Paul Dolan and Matt Coenia. You can see those and listen to all of our episodes at growwithcars.com slash unscheduled maintenance. Unscheduled maintenance is recorded remotely from our homes. We're looking forward to working in person again when we're able to safely return to our studio. Thanks for listening.